When you think of true love, what do you think of? Do you think of two people that complete each other? Two people that just get along really well and enjoy each other's company? What about a wild and passionate relationship where the rest of the world just kind of disappears? Do you think of two people taking on the adventure of life together? Or do you think of two people who would do anything together? Like, say, kill two innocent people. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In this episode, we're going to discuss the story of two couples and the deadly events that transpired on a beach on the day that they met. James and Michelle Butler were two people who were living their own version of the dream. And I think that they were living the version of the dream that a lot of us wish that we could live. This happy couple was exploring the United States together and making new memories along the way. They were empty nesters who just wanted to spend their days checking out the world with one another. And for a good long while, that was working well for them. James Butler was a retired air traffic controller from the U.S. Navy who had served 21 years. In his own words, he once said, I've traveled the world with the Navy, but I've never seen my own country. For a while, he worked odd jobs building houses and managing employees at a local Walmart. It was good work, but it wasn't fulfilling after so much time spent traveling the world. He and Michelle decided that it was time to change things up, so they made the decision to rent an RV and see what the United States really had to offer its people. Both of them had a deep passion for traveling and felt restless at home, so they quit their jobs and they hit the road. The butlers had no real plan in place, and that was the charm of their lifestyle. They spent nearly a year in an RV park in Arizona. And from what I can tell, they hadn't planned to stay that long, but the area just kind of stole their hearts. Still, the wind called them on, and they decided it was time to head somewhere new. They decided to check out Texas and started building a life there next. Everywhere that they went, they would just kind of pick up odd jobs to keep the money coming in. In Texas, they worked as gate guards on an oil rig. And while staying there, they visited their family in other places, popping in for weddings and taking time to catch up with their loved ones. They lived a normal life. It was just kind of a mobile one. Though you might assume that they'd be fairly out of touch with their family, that wasn't the case. James actually retired from the Navy to spend more time with his mother when she got sick. These two were constantly phoning back home to their relatives. Even from a distance, they were doting parents and grandparents to their kids. Little video calls and shared pictures helped their family to be a part of their ongoing adventure. It also proved to be incredibly important when James and Michelle went missing. Michelle and James had just recently moved on to a new location. Their plan was to head to Florida where they would sell Christmas trees for the holiday season. It was just another odd job. But they stopped in Corpus Christi on the way. The couple found a sweet little spot on the beach that allowed them to park their RV for free. And that is a pretty great offer to come by when you live how they do. It was a beautiful area with a pleasant little campsite on Padre Island Beach. But... Two weeks after their arrival, the couple disappeared. When Michelle and James stopped answering their phones, their family knew that something was wrong. 
Their relatives took their time, calling and texting, messaging on social media, and anything else that they could think of. When the couple failed to call back, their family reported them missing. The behavior was just unusual. The couple had just sent over a pair of genuine Texas-made leather boots for their granddaughter who had developed a recent interest in horseback riding. So, when the family called to share their joy, and they were met with total radio silence, their dread kind of began to build. It wasn't like them to disappear for days at a time, and their family suspected the worst. A few days after they were reported missing, police made a grisly discovery near their last known location. Buried in a shallow grave in the sand, the local sheriff's office found the body of a woman. At the time, there was no confirmation on the woman's identity. But when police stumbled across a man's body the following morning, they had a pretty good feeling about who they were looking at. Or they had a pretty bad one, I guess. Police reached out to the family, and they requested the dental records of the couple. And using those dental records, they confirmed their identities a short while later. Michelle and James Butler were dead, and it was no accident. The two of them had been murdered and buried in shallow graves. As soon as they found their bodies, police knew that they had to find their killer. But... They also knew that it wasn't going to be easy. Michelle and James lived the kind of life that made it very difficult to trace. In a lot of murder cases, the victims know the assailant, but Michelle and James were brand new to the area. There was a very likely chance that their killer was a total stranger. Finding a stranger is much harder than investigating those around the victim. Random killings are often some of the hardest cases to trace. That is, of course, unless you make it easy for them to find you. When Michelle and James were killed, something strange happened. Their RV was nowhere to be found, which meant that there was a very likely chance that the person responsible for murdering them was also driving around in their car. Now, this is one move that killers make that always baffles me. You see it in movies all the time. Someone kills someone else, and then they take off with their car. And every time, I just have to ask, why? <laughs> Stealing the car of a victim is literally begging to be caught. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why anyone does it. But the killer, or should I say killers, in this case did. And it is exactly what got them caught. But... It wasn't just the sheer stupidity of stealing the car that did it. The stars really did line right up for these killers to be caught. Right before the butlers were murdered, one of the killers had a run-in with police. His name was Adam Williams, and he was pulled over while driving a gray Chevy truck during a routine traffic stop. So, what are the chances that that exact truck was found abandoned in the area a short while later? That's kind of an odd occurrence, isn't it? At this point, police had to ask the question, what do two criminals do after murdering an innocent couple and stealing their car? Around there, the answer was pretty simple. They were in Texas. That meant the Mexico border was just right there. 
Unfortunately for the two killers, surveillance cameras were also just right there. And they managed to capture the butler's truck and RV passing right into Mexico. There, in the photos, was not James Butler, but a man named Adam Williams instead. He could be seen plain as day driving the vehicle right through the border. And the best part is that the cop that had pulled him over a week before recognized him in the photo. And if Adam Williams stole the vehicle, there was a really good chance that he killed James and Michelle too. For ages, there has been this stereotype that if you can just make it over any border after committing a crime, you're magically in the clear. And I'm sure that at some point, this was true. You know, back when all we had was drawings of criminals and a vague description, I'm sure that it was much easier to slip below the radar. But this is the modern age. This happened in the end of 2019. Everything is digital, and Mexico had absolutely no interest in allowing our criminals to run free in their country particularly when you're the kind of criminal that is wanted for a violent murder. Even though Adam Williams was seen crossing the border a week before Michelle and James were even found, it did not matter. Police released his identity, and by November 6th, Adam Williams was arrested, and he was not alone. With Williams was Amanda Novare, his girlfriend, and her three-year-old son. Now, this is where things start to get a little modern for a true crime case. Because this is the first case that I've read through that was actually influenced by COVID-19. I'm sure plenty of other cases are going through some of these difficulties, but I thought it added a really interesting element to this tale. You see, this deadly couple wasn't initially charged for murder. Before there was any hard evidence to link them to the murder, because for some legal reason, just having the car was apparently not enough, um, police needed a way to arrest them. And the obvious solution was to arrest the two of them for felony theft. And if you are anything like me, you probably think that this is because they stole the car or the RV, right? Those are two very large things that they made off with. Well, you can just throw that logic right out the window. They managed to charge them with felony theft because James Butler had a lawnmower with him that was valued at more than $30,000. And these two criminals took everything that James and Michelle owned. Eventually, the lawnmower theft charge was combined with the charge that basically put them at fault for knowingly tampering with police evidence. The reasoning? Because the two of them moved the bodies of two people who had clearly been murdered. They still didn't have them for the murder. They had them for knowingly moving the bodies of the deceased. And police considered this to be a disruption of justice, which is illegal. 
So they charge them for that. And then they also charge them with unlawful possession of a firearm while they were at it. But the rest of the case wasn't all that easy. And getting to that murder charge was even harder. By now, most of us know the different sides of this pandemic. We know about the simple stuff, like missing out on our favorite restaurants or our friends. We know about the weird stuff, like people obsessively hoarding toilet paper. And we know about the horrible parts, like the disease's potential to kill. But one other area was influenced by COVID-19 that no one expected. The court system and everything connected to it. For those who don't know, court proceedings have pretty much been moved entirely online. If you spend any time online at all, I'm sure you saw the trending video of Cat Lawyer. That man has been a lawyer for ages, and he couldn't figure out how to turn off a freaking cat filter. And that was over a year after the pandemic started. When this case first hit courts, it was early 2020 in the peak of the COVID-19 transition. Now, I did not find any evidence that suggested that there were any rogue animal filters in these court proceedings. But I did learn that the case was severely impacted by COVID. The courts were moving slow, and that's a common occurrence in a high-profile case like this without the difficulties of a virtual courtroom adding to it. Worse, the courts weren't the only part of this case that got slowed down. There was also a significant weight from the crime lab. From what I can tell, this weight was what raised the need for other charges at all. You know, aside from really making sure that these two criminals never see the light of day again. But since they didn't have the DNA evidence to link them to the murder just yet, they did what they could with what they had. It took over a year, but Novair and Williams have finally been charged with first-degree murder for knowingly causing the death of James and Michelle Butler with a firearm. To add to it, Adam Williams was apparently also wanted for assault and sexual assault back in Utah. For now, we don't really know much else. Since the couple is being charged in a relatively small county, a gag order has been issued in order to help keep the jury fairly neutral. And as frustrating as this might be for everyone involved, it does make a bit of sense. I get the feeling that not many people can hear that a lifelong veteran and his wife were shot in cold blood and then robbed without getting a little riled up about it. To me, this is one of those cases where it seems pretty impossible to remain neutral at all. It is currently unclear what they have found for DNA evidence because of the gag order, but someday, hopefully we will hear more, and it better end with these two murderers behind bars for the rest of their lives. But at this point, we all just kind of have to speculate about what happened. We don't know if this case is a robbery gone wrong or the result of two criminals thinking that they could just murder these two and start a new happy life in another country. We don't know if they simply wanted to kill or what was on their minds at all. All we know is that two people are dead, and these two definitely did it. 
I say that with absolutely, you know, no legal standing, but it's um, a little concerning. I think we can all agree. Personally, I've always been really interested and disturbed by killer couples and the details surrounding them. To me, it's horrifying enough for one person to murder another person, but for two people to work together to do it and keep the secret together is just the worst kind of twisted, in my opinion. And when I think about the fact that while these two were murdering this innocent couple, they also had a baby with them, my brain just about explodes. How do the same people who care for one life take two others? It just doesn't compute for me. And I doubt that any details that may arise from this case later will help with that. In general, I don't love the idea of talking about recent and ongoing cases, so please don't expect a lot of this from me. I think that the family has gone through enough, but this case just really bothered me. And I noticed that the family has been fairly vocal themselves within their legal rights, so all I can say is I really hope that the family gets the justice that they deserve with this one sooner rather than later. There is no reason that two lovely people should be dead right now. But there is one thing that I do love about this case. The community really has risen up to support the family of the butlers. Memorials have been set up and love has been sent online. There is groups, there is support, there is just an outpour of love and compassion for this family. And I think there's something really beautiful about the way that people come together in the face of a tragedy. Nothing will ever replace what their family lost, but it's always nice to see so many people reaching out to show complete strangers just how much they care. I hope to be able to do a follow-up episode later on this when the case is finished and the criminals have been dealt with. Until then, we'll just have to hope for the best. And that is the conclusion of the story from me, but that doesn't mean that I'm done with you just yet. Don't worry. Despite the morbid nature of my show, I actually have some really great news to share. With your help, Among the Dirt and Trees has gotten a lot of attention. And guys, I cannot tell you how amazing that feels. Um, it makes me really happy, and it makes my network, TacoCast, really happy. So we've decided to give back to the true crime community. I'm pretty sure that a lot of you are lovers of the great outdoors, though I am probably ruining that one episode at a time. And even though I might try to scare you out of your next camping trip, I do still want you to be safe for it. So for this reason, and because the Taco Cast fam wants to spread the love, we will be hosting the Surviving Nature Giveaway. Starting today, we will be opening submissions, and they will be open through next week until Saturday. You can find the link to the contest in the show notes. To enter, all you have to do is head over to the contest page, then follow the show using the tag at datpod on Twitter or Instagram. And I'll let you in on a little secret. If you follow both, you can double your chances of winning. Everything on this list was handpicked by me and signed off on by the most outdoorsy people I know. And guys, when I say that the grand prize is good, I mean it. 
there are so many amazing products that are perfect for helping you to get the most out of your next camping or backpacking trip. So, if you want to survive in nature among the dirt and trees style, head on over and show our social media pages some love. A few additional winners will even be some of the first people to get t-shirts for the show. And hey, you are looking to get a little extra content or you just want to join our brand new true crime community on Discord, head over to my Patreon at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. Thanks, guys. <laughs>